0: All right, so first of all, this morning, we are going to hear a testimony from my wife, uh, Megan, and she's going to share a little bit. She went to this women's conference on Friday, Saturday, so she's going to just share a testimony from that.
1: morning. I just wanted to talk to you about the conference I went to, and I heard I wasn't the only one, so that's cool that was there. Um, It's called a Thrive Conference. It was this last Friday and Saturday. It was in St. Cloud. I kind of made a last-minute decision to go with my sister who lives in Eveleth, Minnesota, to go to it. Um, But next year, I would really like to take a group of ladies. And there's women of all ages. Like, the youngest you can be to go is 12 years old, obviously with a parent, not by themselves. But, (laughs) um, But there were people, you know... 70s 80s I mean it ranges it's really it's just women of all ages single married it doesn't matter like they're just all together and um, it was just really an awesome time because it's just a place where they have all these women uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, Lisa Turker she's a writer they had Alex Sully. I'm pretty sure that's how you say her name um, Lisa Bevere It's just really great I was blown away. I've actually been to women conferences and just, you know, in Wisconsin and different places and this is like beyond it's, beyond, it's like definitely the best conference I've ever been to as far as women. Um, it was sold out. There was like 3,000 women there. So I would just, first of all, you know, maybe keep that in your mind that if you would like to go next year, it's going to be the first weekend in October and we could go as a church, we could get hotel rooms to try to minimize the cost. and. You know, if you're married, maybe talk to your husband in advance. If you have children, be like, hey, I'll come back a better wife, so... (laughs) It benefits everybody. (laughs) So, so, but I, I just wanted to personally share, like, it really, it was a really big impact on me. They really talk about a lot of things that women struggle with, whether you realize it or not, like, insecurity and knowing, like, who you are sometimes, especially when you're a mom and a wife or you know, grandma, it, it's it's easy to start losing your identity. Like, who am I? I know I felt that way. When I was younger, I was like, okay, I know who I am in God. And as time goes on and you give so much of yourself, sometimes it's easy to feel like you've, you've started to lose who you are. But it was just an awesome conference. And I know my life was changed by it. So I just wanted to put that in everyone's heads. I know it's a year away, but maybe start thinking about it now. So I would love to send a group here and just go because it's just a great, and it's in St. Clouds. So that's not far at all. It's just two days, Friday, Saturday. But yeah, I just wanted to share that because it was just truly amazing and I'd love to bring a group next year.
0: Thank you so much. Give her a hand. All right. So the late Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken, more, more better well known as KFC, you know, was on an airplane when an infant screamed and would not stop, even though the mother and the flight attendants tried every trick they could think of. Anybody been there? We have, and <laughs> we've been there. This my daughter. Uh, there was one time where we were flying from Chicago to China, and we we. We had to take a four-hour drive to Chicago first. She talked the whole way, talked to her grandma, and then uh, we, you know, gave her some Benadryl in hopes that she was what three years old, maybe four, three—I don't know—something like that—and hoping that you know she would sleep on the 14-hour flight. And she starts screaming in the line she's screaming I don't want to go back to China I don't want to go back to China I want to go back to grandma and like she's like screaming at the security line you know so that you know makes you feel just a little bit awkward when, you're <laughs> <What>? <laughs> when your daughter does that and so then so then we got her through security and she ended up sleeping for one hour of the entire 14 hour flight you know because we had so when and when we got to uh when we got the we had to take another hour drive to our apartment. And she was screaming in the back. And she opened the door on the freeway because they don't have car seats there. And so then hit, the driver had to pull over. I had to get in the back and hold her while she screamed the rest of the drive until we got back to our apartment and she could sleep. So anyway, to finish the story. So this, this infant screaming. Finally, the colonel asked if he could hold the baby. He gently rocked it to sleep. Later, a passenger said, Oh, we all appreciate what you did for us. Colonel Sanders replied, I didn't do it for us. I did it for the baby. The word compassion is mentioned 41 times in the Bible. Last week, we heard about how Jesus had compassion on Lazarus. This week, we're going to dive more into the concept of compassion. In Mark 6:34, it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 9:36 it's kind of the same the same thing when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. In Mark 8 verse 2 and 3 it says I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me 3 days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse in the way because some of them have come a long distance. And so the the exact same thing, again, Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called the disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So this is kind of like these Matthew, Mark kind of are confirming, you know, telling the same story and a lot of times even the same words they're using. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So Jesus saw saw them and had compassion on them. At one time, when I was young, I asked God for something. Of all the gifts that one can receive in life, you know, whether it be faith or anything else, or you know, there's some. There's, I, I asked God, I said, I want to have compassion. More than anything else, I want to have compassion. That is a very dangerous prayer. How many of you know that that can be a very, very dangerous prayer? So to truly have compassion for others, many times you have to go through some pretty difficult days to get to that point. When I was in uh, kindergarten or first grade, uh, my best friend we were we were sliding down in our backyard in no, uh, northern Minnesota, and I was uh, in Clearwater. It was I don't know if you had anywhere been through that truck stop, but <laughs> I, that's where that's where I lived for a while. We were sliding in the back backyard. We had a hill. And, she, you know, those little sleds, you know those ones that roll out that they used to have? Those ones that you pull out and you, they're super slippery? Anyway, she was riding down on one of those, and she hit her head on a tr- on one of the trees on the way down. And so when she got down the bottom, I, I went and found her, and I was I was like, Are you okay? Are you okay? And she has blood coming out of her mouth and, and all over her head and everywhere else, and she said, Get your dad. And so I, I ran to get my dad, and we got her to the, you know, emergency room, and uh, she ended up being in a coma. And so she was in a coma for for quite a while, but she ended up recovering from that. And obviously, I was very excited that she recovered from that. But that's something that is ingrained in my memory forever. You know, this kindergarten, first grade, is, is, it's it was interesting to have an experience like that at such a young age. And then when I was 16 years old, I had pneumonia earlier in my life once, but when I was 16, I had pneumonia. I was in this high school, it was like this musical, you know, where you're singing and every night you're doing another performance, and I was coughing constantly, you know, coughing, coughing, had been to the doctor, they give me had given me uh, uh, the cough syrup and things like that, but I was just, I, I I, was not getting better, I was not getting better at all. And so I, I continually, I would come home from school and I would just lay down, I would just go lay in my bed and cough and try and sleep. And then finally, after the last night of the musical, my parents said, oh, we gotta we got take you in. We gotta take you back to the, to the doctor. I got to the doctor, they said, we are admitting you right now. You are, you, are, you need, if, if you were out there for one more week, you'd probably be dead. So I got admitted to the hospital for three days while they uh, helped me recover from that pneumonia. And during that situation, I learned compassion for those stuck in the hospital, for those dealing with bad sicknesses. How many of you have ever been stuck in the hospital before? Anybody ever have? Yes. It's not always fun. <laughs> A lot of times, I remember my mom would come and she'd read me the Psalms. And it was something special just about having someone that's close to you come and just read read God's word to you and just, just kind of be there and comfort you and help you. Uh, to get through that time, because it's, nobody likes to be in a situation where they're sick for an extended period of time. In Matthew 14:14, 14, 14, it says, "When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and healed their sick." He saw a large crowd, and he had compassion, and he healed their sick. He looked with different eyes than what we look. One area of my life that also taught me compassion was dealing with incredibly bad acne. <laughs> so when I, what's acne? Acne, zits, pimples. You'll find out in the future. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so acne, I had really bad acne from the time I was a teenager to till the um, I think my fourth year of marriage. And when I when I got on Accutane, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that but it truly impacted the confidence I had, like going into various situations. I tried everything to get rid of it. You know, I looked up, I tried everything. I mean, those, those some pretty bad ideas. Anybody ever have bad ideas? You know, you're trying to, like I was like, okay, I'm going to wash my face as much as I possibly can. So every like 30 minutes, an hour, I'm washing my face with soap. How many know that's probably not a that's not the best idea for trying to get rid of acne. You know, your face is all like dry and scaly, or you know, just all. I, I, so I tried everything under the, under the sun to get rid of this acne, just because it just it never went away. It wouldn't go away. Like even after I was married, I was like, all right, well, i just guess I'm just gonna have acne forever. You know, it was it was, it was one of those things where it was <laughs> anybody ever have something like that as a teenager, where you have yes, yes. It's, 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 it can affect you. It can affect you. It's interesting because some people have different things and you don't realize how much something that can seem so small can affect you so deeply. It can affect the way you feel. It can affect the way you act. It can affect your, your day, uh, how you approach people, how you talk to people. It can affect it. So that gave me compassion for those dealing with physical issues that affect their appearance. In Mark 1, verses 40 and 41, it says, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. I I love this. Because it says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So this leper, he knew the power that Jesus had. He knew he trusted he had faith and jesus jesus just looked at him and said i'm willing be clean i I love that i am willing be clean so i have i also have essential tremors so i don't know if you guys have ever noticed this before but probably i I think i mentioned it once i mean the first time Uh, when people read the story of moses they read about how he was afraid to speak how he how he didn't like that some have pondered that maybe he had a problem with stuttering or that he was not eloquent uh, but anyways, God brought his brother Aaron to help him with speaking because he was didn't want to speak. He was like, God, I'm not eloquent words, I can't do this. Like, I need help. And uh, when I was in my first year of college, I worked a job every morning as a busboy at the cafeteria or in the back washing dishes, actually, that's what I did. And uh, went to a lot of classes. I was involved with various ministries, a lot of different ministries. Um we had we had all this prayer time. My, my freshman year was one of my favorite years of college, but I also barely slept. I was all, I was in a room of six those six of us guys in one room, and I was the last person to sleep and the second person awake every night every morning. And the only reason I was the second one awake every morning is because the other guy he went to bed at like 9 p.m. and woke up at five, so <laughs> so I couldn't quite beat him as far as the wake up time. But I I I drove myself ragged. I ran myself ragged where I barely ever slept and so during after that year I went to neurologist that summer and they said yeah you have essential tremors and I was like what's that mean you had some kind of problem with your nervous system it means your hands shake and I was like okay and so and they're like well you could take these pills and they might help you you know if you want to do some speaking or something Um, so I did that for you know a, a little bit but I decided I'd I'd rather just live with my shaking but the thing that's interesting is as a as a, a pastor, as someone that's preaching, that someone's in public, in the public, to have to have something like that shaking. When, you're, when you when when you're going out to eat with somebody and meeting new people, and your hands are shaking, your your people look at you and are thinking, "Oh, are you nervous? Or is there something that's you know what's they are, are you you know they they kind of they can judge you like okay you're not very confident if they don't know what what it is because I don't have a I don't, I don't have a it, Maybe it's not severe. I don't know. Some people would say it's not that severe, but I, but some people will notice it. I I forget about it most of the time. But it's interesting how something like that affects you so much. I gained a compassion for those who have dealt with nervous system issues in their body. I, I, when I was preach as a missionary, I went from church to church, and I, I would always do that. Would always tell people. I think I did this the first time I was here. I'd say, if you see me shaking, I've got what's called essential tremors. If you see me hiding behind the drum kit, it's because you're making me nervous. So, that, so please be nice. So I would, that would be my opening line. You know, of course, afterwards, you get some people that said, oh, you did a great job. Just don't be so nervous. And I was like, <laughs> you missed the beginning, didn't you? <laughs> you know, but I also had many people come up afterwards and share, oh, I've got essential tremors, or I have that, or, or my family member had that because it's something they could relate to. And so I, be, I gained a compassion for those that deal with that problem. It's interesting. I, when I we were in China, we were didn't know the language when we were first there. We, uh, for those of you who don't know, we we went there. I, I, I tried to uh, order food off of the menu, but I didn't know how to say anything. So I was just like, you know. <laughs> Or you start to learn how to say, I want. So, wo yao is I want. So, I'd be like, wo yao, wo yao, wo yao. So, you, and and it was it was so difficult to learn, to learn a language like that. It is not easy for, I remember one day I had I had a Chinese teacher. He was, we were learning pronunciation for the first two weeks, which just means you're learning vowels, you're learning, like, all these things. And he was trying to, he wrote this letter E, and he's like, all right, now say, <laughs> and I was like, and. <laughs> And he's like, no, 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 say, Hur. and I said, and he said, no, 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 no. And he, and he like writes the word east on the board, like, Hur. and I was like, e, you know, e, e, and he's like, no, no, no. And so then he, he, then he did, Hur. and I went, Hur. and he's like, no, 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 that's not right. And I was like, okay, I know I'm not very good with Chinese, but I am like a little bit musically inclined and usually can copy somebody, so... So we did this for three hours. Could you imagine spending three hours having someone go Shh, <laughs> Shh. And you say back to them Shh. And they're like, no, like, stop. So the next day I go back to class and he's like, writes the letter on the board and says Shh. So we did that for another hour. And then I said, all right, enough. This never happens, It's not. you never say it by itself, it's part of a word. Let's move on. <laughs> was, but so it's interesting because living in a country like that, they were, I had many people that were very kind and nice to us and helped us out even though we did not know the language. But I gained a compassion for those that are learning language, for those that are in a different culture that's not their own, for those that have a difficulty learning language. Like I gained a compassion for them because it is not easy. It is not easy at all. I've lived in a foreign land away from all my you know all the known and extended family when I was overseas both my grandpas died within the the two year span and I wasn't able to attend their funerals I was, just had to stay there and that was hard that wasn't fun you know you can try and email them or send them some pictures and Think about those that were close to you. But I wasn't able to be there. And it just gave me a, a compassion for those that miss important times in people's lives. There are those that have been, you know, part of the, the military that have been gone during important moments. There's been other people for various reasons. You've, you've missed important moments in families' lives. And it's hard. It's not easy. It's heartbreaking many times to miss those moments. You gain a compassion when you go through something like that to realize that there's other people that go through very similar circumstances that can actually be a lot worse. Compassion. Hmm. Matthew 20, verse 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. So these were blind people, and Jesus healed them. He had compassion on them. Well, we were in China. My wife suffered a miscarriage, and we went through many, many sleepless nights. I have compassion for those who suffer loss, those who deal with anxiety, those who wonder why, God, those who go through those difficult times and wonder Why? Why is this happening? When I was, I, I have had seven gallbladder attacks. Has anybody ever had a gallbladder attack before? Anybody ever had the gallbladder taken out before? No. Okay. So having a, having a gallbladder attack, it feels like a, a heart attack. There was one time where I was about to get an airplane. We were visiting her family in Texas, and I started having one of these attacks. You know, so I, I just you know start taking tums because I'm like, okay, it must be some kind of crazy heartburn or something like that, but it literally feels like, it feels like a heart attack, and to go through getting on an airplane like that, wondering how are going to make it, and then another gallbladder attack I had where I was just in the bathroom, just crying, just praying that I'd be able to make it to the next day, and then the the final gallbladder attack happened on my daughter's birthday when I went to, we, we went to McDonald's, and I had a double cheeseburger and sausage, you know, yeah, probably just too, too much meat, you know, so. So I had a gallbladder attack, and then I finally got it taken out. And so now, you know, you face other issues without a gallbladder, but I don't have that kind of pain. It's interesting, like, I have compassion on those who have sudden pain, who go through heart attacks, who who go through difficult things. God's given me compassion after having gone through that. I have had my life flip upside down on me been through so many changes and transition in life, some very unexpected. So it's caused me to have a compassion for those that are in transition, those that are going through changes, those who are, that are, have, are going through a move, those that are, are, are having family changes, because it happens. So how do we respond to those suffering around us? What is compassion and how does it work? Compassion sees what the sufferer sees. Compassion feels what the sufferer feels. Compassion acts to relieve suffering in every circumstance. It doesn't wait for the right time, whenever that may be. It doesn't wait for consensus from the authorities. It doesn't mind disrupting routines or traditions. Compassion acts. In February 2012, Corey Weissman led out the men's basketball team of Gettysburg College for the last game of the season. Four years earlier, he had suffered a stroke stroke that had left him paralyzed on one side four years of rehab he was able to walk with limp but was still not able to play competitively but before his stroke he had been on the varsity team and the gettysburg coach wanted to give him a few seconds on court as a senior so cory was nominated captain and let out the starting five for what was both his first and last game for gettysburg for he was now due to graduate knowing the struggle it was just to be there the crowd and the players from both teams greeted him with wild applause the Gettysburg coach gave him a few minutes on court before benching him. With one minute to go, Gettysburg was well ahead, and the coach sent Corey back out on the court. The Washington coach called timeout and instructed his players to foul Corey Wiseman. For those who don't know basketball, this was a very generous act, for it meant Corey would be given two shots at the basket. Corey takes his place at the free throw line, feels the weight of the ball in his hands, lifts and shoots. It misses badly. But he has a second and final shot. Again, he feels the weight of the ball in his hands lifts and shoots. This time the ball flies straight through the hoop and the crowd breaks out in thunderous applause. The assistant vice president for athletics at Gettysburg, David Wright, later wrote to Washington College, your coach, Rob Nugent, along with his staff and student athletes, displayed a measure of compassion that I have never witnessed in over 30 years of involvement in intercollegiate athletes. An act of Compassion. Compassion one of the most singular important qualities virtues of Jesus what does it mean thomas gompertin wrote it means to feel with others enter into the circumstance be one with them in their feelings their pain their hurt or joy and their excitement but to be with them and enter into their framework in luke in luke 7 in luke 7 12 through 15 it said as he approached the town gate a dead person was being carried out The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I love this story because it's just, he has compassion. This is a widow. Her husband's dead, and now her son's dead. And Jesus has compassion and says, goes up to the coffin, says, rise up. She gets her son back, has compassion. Compassion offers hope. In what ways is God using you to share compassion with the world? Many times we think about those, those circumstances that we've gone through. We think about the difficult trials that you've gone through, the, the parts of the journey that are not fun. But many times it gives you a sense of compassion for people because you realize how difficult it was for you to go through things. And today today my challenge is that you would have the compassion that Jesus has. That when Jesus saw the people that they were lost and like sheep without a shepherd, they did not know him. Many of them were were dealing with problems in their in their body, in their soul, in their mind. And Jesus had compassion. I challenge you to, today to go in compassion, to pray that dangerous prayer. Some of you might be like, I'm not praying that prayer. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, you can have compassion. I'm not taking that, you know, because it's a dangerous prayer. I used to pray it all the time. I was like, Jesus, I want to be compassionate the way you are compassionate. When you're young, sometimes you you pray things you don't know exactly what you're praying. but i'm still praying that god give me compassion jesus give me the compassion that you have give me the compassion that you have for loss give me the compassion for the hurting give me compassion for those that have lost a family member give me compassion for those that are stuck in the hospital give me compassion for those who have gone through gone through a horrible divorce give me compassion for those who who feel like they're alone Give me compassion for those who don't know where to turn, who don't have hope. Give me compassion. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. Jesus, thank you that you showed compassion, that you saw us in our hurt that you saw the pain that we were going through. Jesus, thank you so much for bringing healing to my heart. Thank you for coming, bringing us from death to life, like we talked about last week, when you came and died on the cross for our sins, that we could, and rose again so that we might have hope. But thank you also for showing compassion when when I was hurting. Thank you for showing compassion to us when we've gone through difficult times, when we've gone through horrible struggles, when our family members have gone through pain, have gone through hurt. I pray that you would give us that type of compassion, that we would love the way that you love. Jesus, I pray that I would be known for the compassion I pray that this church would be known for the compassion that we share. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It is amazing to know you, to know the love that you've shown, the joy that you give. I pray that today, as as we walk out these doors, that we would begin to see with your eyes, that we begin to have the compassion like you do. Thank you so much, Lord God. Amen.